This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. We've got a roundup of everything you need to know about that's going on in Kent on Wednesday, June the 29th. And first today, a Kent man has appeared in court charged with murdering a 35-year-old woman in East London. Zara Alina, who was a trainee lawyer, suffered serious head injuries in Ilford early on Sunday. She later died in hospital. Jordan McSweeney, who's 29 and used to live in Rochester, is also accused of attempted rape and robbery. Well, he's been remanded in custody and is due at the Old Bailey on Friday. Sky's Emma Birchley has been at Thames Magistrates Court today. She has a statement from Zara's family. Zara believed that a woman should be able to walk home. Now her dreams of a family are shattered, her future brutally taken. And what they go on to say is that more should be done to prevent, to stop these kind of crimes happening to women. A vigil is also planned to take place in Ilford on Saturday. A couple have admitted killing a man found with stab wounds at his flat in Folkestone. Prosecutors argue 66-year-old Paul Wakefield had been beaten in Coolidge Lane in January. He later died in hospital. A 31-year-old man from Gillingham and a 36-year-old woman from Sittingbourne have pleaded guilty to manslaughter but deny murder. A trial at Maidstone Crown Court continues. Meantime, a record label boss from Chatham who started firing shots from the top of a tower block in Medway has been ordered to stay in hospital under the Mental Health Act. Michael Alanomu was filmed using imitation weapons while standing on the balcony of the building in Chatham Dockside in April 2020. Armed officers were called to the scene and arrested the 36-year-old. Well, our reporter Paul Hooper has been following this case at Maidstone Crown Court. Firstly, Paul, what has the judge heard today? Hi, yeah. The judge heard that Alamuno, in the opinion of consultant psychologists and psychiatrists who've been treating him in hospital up until now, was suffering from a mental disorder. And therefore, they recommended that rather than he be sent to a prison, he be detained in a secure hospital under a special order. And what have his defence team said? Defence barrister Barry Cogan told the court that the music producer wished to offer his sincere apologies to all those members of the public who were affected by his actions. He said that when he's in good health, he was a family man, regarded as decent and was devoted to his son and also had someone with many good qualities. The barrister added that once released from this order, Alamona was determined to return to his family and stay away from cannabis which had probably been a contributing factor in his downfall. Now, he's been detained under the Mental Health Act. Can you explain a bit more about what that means and when he might be allowed out? Under a Section 37 order under the Mental Health Act, he will remain in a secure hospital until doctors believe he can be released successfully back into the community. And even then, when that happens, he will also be subjected to another order which will provide support for him in the community. And of course, if he fails to take his medicines, he could return to hospital. Paul, thanks ever so much. Kent Online News. 
A man's died after being hit by a lorry on the A249 near Sittingbourne. It happened at around midnight on the southbound carriageway at the junction with Key Street. No details about the man have been released just yet, but it's understood he fell onto the carriageway before being struck. Now, the road has been closed in both directions for most of the day while investigations take place, leading to long delays for drivers. The closure is between the A2 at Keycole Hill for the Key Street roundabout and the B2006 Bobbing roundabout. Congestion has been back to Iwade heading southbound and Swale Road and Castle Road diverting through Sittingbourne. Well, Highways England say the route will reopen at around 5 o'clock this evening, although delays are likely to remain until around 6pm. Police have also said they're keen to hear from anyone who was travelling along the road at the time and might have dash cam footage. You can also follow our live travel blog for updates on any disruption and hear regular travel bulletins on our sister radio station KMFM. A thief who threatened food hall staff at Marks and Spencers in Ashford has been jailed. A court's heard how Daniel Martin went on a crime spree at the start of the year to fund a drugs addiction, stealing roasting joints, clothes and cosmetics from shops in the town. The 38-year-old from Church Road has been locked up for 11 months. Police have been accused of using excessive aggression when they arrested a 17-year-old boy in Chatham. Officers say they were assaulted as they tried to detain him for riding an e-scooter on the high street last week. Witnesses have raised concerns about how the boy was treated. Kent Police, however, insist they use safe techniques approved by the Home Office. Now, this is one of our most read stories today. There's anger that some new build properties in Kent are being snapped up by investors, then rented out at high rates, forcing local people to move elsewhere. The Perry Court development in Faversham is just one new estate affected and we found a semi-detached there being offered to rent for £1,800 a month. A local councillor has branded it disgraceful. Well, joining me now is property expert Spencer Fortag from Dockside Property Services in Medway. Spencer, firstly, what is the rental market like in Kent at the moment? Quite frankly, all of our branches are recording a simply record number of inquiries for rental properties. And in most cases, they're being let before they even reach the portals. So obviously there's an awful lot of interest then. What do you make to this story today though that people are seeing new builds being snapped up as buy to let properties and those prices for some they're saying they're just extortionately high and they're saying it's not fair essentially. What do you say to that? So landlords have have always looked at different opportunities. Uh, There's nothing new here. This isn't really a a new story with, with landlords buying investment property in new build developments they tend to steer clear from new build developments purely because the yields aren't as high and that's based on the fact that new build property tends to carry a premium because it's a new a new property so most landlords tend to buy property on the resale market uh so yeah no, nothing particularly new and in terms of the rental prices at, at being achieved i mean again you know coming back to my comment about the record number of inquiries that we're at, uh, receiving it, it's not really surprising you know the rental market is incredibly buoyant across Medway and the wider Kent area uh, but remember these prices are are led by supply and demand you know these aren't prices that are set by landlords these aren't prices that are set by agents they are market-led so a landlord could ask two thousand pound 
for a property that's worth a thousand pound and he ain't ever going to get it because it's only worth a thousand pound right is it stopping people though who are trying to get on the property ladder or maybe take that next step up the property ladder if they can't find houses because they've been bought as a buy to let is it affecting that side of the market at all so we're seeing less new landlords come to the market and there's a number of reasons there you know there's been a lot of landlord bashing by the current conservative government uh, that includes restrictions on most landlords now not being able to claim back the interest part of their mortgage payments. Uh, you know, th- there's lots going on. The recent changes to legislation is making is going to make it much harder for landlords to carry out what we call non-fault evictions. So if a landlord simply wants their home back, they're no longer going to gonna be able to do this. And this means that lots of people that were thinking of investing in property are now no longer doing that. But also... We've seen lots of our landlord clients selling some of their portfolio because it's simply becoming too hard to be cut, to be a landlord uh, in, in the UK. So with that all in mind and taking into account the new mortgages launched recently by Barclays and Halifax at, at 95%, I don't believe this is having that much of a negative impact on first-time buyers' ability to buy their own property. I've been having a look at some of the comments um, that have been posted under the story on Kent Online and some people are saying there should be either a cap on the number of properties that a a landlord perhaps could buy within a development or how many would be allowed to be bought by landlords to be rented out, but also maybe a cap on rental prices. But from what you've said, I'm guessing that probably wouldn't be possible because, as you mentioned earlier, they're market-led. What do you think on that cap, though, of the number of properties that can be bought as buy-to-lets within a new build development? Well, it's it's an interesting idea, but but in theory, but the reality of it is that we live in a a market-led capitalist economy. Uh, and if we start introducing caps on numbers of properties that landlords can buy, uh, you know, where does it end? A, a, a cap on, on rental prices is simply impossible to manage because you have so many different types of properties in any one different area that you can't routinely say that, okay, the maximum that you can get for a one-bedroom property in the ME1 postcode will be £800 a month because you have such a widespread of property in any one given area. It, it's simply not practical. Uh, and also, again, you know, it, it's that sort of like communist approach to capping prices is something which is very alien to us in, in the UK, where we've always had this, you know, market led uh, economy. We've previously run a story about a lady who was saying that the prices for, for renting had literally forced her to move out. She'd actually moved to Wales because she was saying she couldn't afford the rent within Kent. What sort of people are renting in the county? Because there's always this down from London kind of thing that we pick up that people are moving out of the capital for a better quality of life, maybe in Kent, and they're snapping up the properties and people who live locally are missing out. Is that a correct sort of trend? So we do have branches uh, across London. And anecdotally, I can tell you that we are seeing uh, a bit of a movement from people. You know, they're changing their lifestyle. Uh, you know, the, the work from home uh, situation uh, has, has changed the, the, the landscape forever. People's priority have, shift, have, have shifted a lot, especially now where they don't need to be at their desk in, in the city by, by 6 a.m. They're looking, they're looking at alternatives. And whereas in London, you know, a one bedroom property can cost easily up, upwards from, of £300,000, the same value in, in Kent will, will, will get you a nice freehold property. So it's, it's easy to see the temptation we are seeing a bit of a shift. But remember as well, that those people that are coming down from, from London are contributing to the local community and the local economy. They're, they're spending money locally at local restaurants, uh, at local shops. 
So I think people should accept the fact that, yes, there will be a bit of a migration from London and other parts of the country. But that's been true of, of, of the UK as a whole. And that migration does come with benefits to the local economy. Also, let's not forget that Kent has really good local employment. Uh, we were recently the sales and marketing agency for Kitchener Barracks in Chatham. And of the sales there, 60% of sales were to, to local people in and around Medway and only 40% uh, from out of county. Spencer, thank you ever so much for joining us today. We can find out about average rental prices for where you live in Kent by heading to the story at Kent Online. I have been looking through, as I mentioned, some of the comments on the story. One says, surely the way to prevent this is for a restricted covenant in the deeds, stating that the property may not be rented out. Another says the only way to stop or at least slow down this is for the customers not to pay these high prices. And finally, one says that the housing market needs regulation, plain and simple. Set a rent cap and limit what profit can be made from the sale of a house and the tax involved as well. Well, Spencer did cover off some of those issues raised there. We'd love to know what you think. You can still comment on this story at Kent Online or by heading to our socials. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. A teenage girl's been arrested after police were led on a 15-mile high-speed chase from Ashford to Canterbury. The vehicle was going at more than 120 miles per hour before officers used a stinger to stop it on the A2 at Winchip. A 17-year-old's been questioned and released while inquiries continue. Two teenagers have been arrested following a police chase from Ramsgate to Whitstable meantime. A group was spotted climbing under a car in the early hours of yesterday and it's thought they were still stealing catalytic converters. The suspects tried to get away from officers but were caught with the help of a police helicopter and dog. An 18-year-old and 16-year-old have since been released on bail. A Herne mum, whose son died after taking drugs, has told the Kent Online podcast she wants to change the school curriculum to save lives. Canterbury College student William Hawley died four years ago following a reaction to a painkiller that had been bought on the dark web. While his mum, Kim Webster, has made it her mission ever since to raise awareness of the dangers of drug misuse. She's been telling Ish what she's hoping to achieve in the next five years. I'm hoping to have... Because uh, we made a film with Ke- uh, with Kemba Trust, it's um, a film that has gone out to 160 schools in Kent already. Um, so my goal, my aim, I want to achieve is in the PSHE lesson in every school in the county is to have the film, watch the film, have the resource pack and then also have a follow up talk. And I want it in the curriculum. So it has to happen every year to year nines or tens, because I think it's vital that they have the life knowledge um, as much as learning English and maths, to be honest. I mean, one in three children are offered drugs now via social media. Um, They all need to be educated. Why do that specifically? Why do you think that's so important? Because the feedback I've had from students, from teachers and from parents who get in contact with me, they say what we have to say is so relevant so vital and the students listen to us because we I am just a mum I'm not a teacher I'm not standing there reading from a book what I have to say comes from my heart and it's true life and you know and it affects them and they they understand it so I ask them to think of their mums when I'm sharing my journey with them and they do and they don't think about what can happen on a night out so yeah I think that's why it's so vital. And how important is it that you get 
that story across to them in front of them. You're there in person. You're explaining exactly what happened, a real story, the tragic story of your son. And, and um, you know, you, you say that you've, you feel as though you're making a difference. Just talk yes. about that reaction when, you, when they hear what you're saying. A lot of emotion, a lot of tears, um, a lot. They come up to me and talk to me afterwards and they just say, I've never thought about it from that point of view. Because I say to them that the person that loves you the most will have to make these decisions on your behalf when you go. So that person that's grieving the most will have to identify your body, will have to arrange your funeral and will have to carry on living and watching your friends achieve what they need to achieve, knowing that that's what you should be doing as well. Kent Online reports. The Uni of Kent has twinned with one in southern Ukraine. Curzon State University has been impacted by the war there and is in an area currently under Russian control. Its campus has had to close and relocate to the west of the country. Academics in Kent will deliver online English classes and guest lectures and donate IT equipment. Residents in a part of Ashford are trying to get open space made in to a village green to protect it from being built on. The area of land on Quantock Drive is used by dog walkers and children, but it's recently gone up for sale. People living nearby are worried building on it would damage the community. A family-run business near Snodland has closed after a long-running bid to stay at a country park. The Leybourne Lakes Cafe has had its last day of trading after it announced they would have to leave because of a rival firm taking over. The new cafe and water sports centre has cost £880,000 to build and is set to open later. Later this summer. Bit of an update now on news to remove the masts of a sunken warship off the coast of Sheppey. Well, it's now been revealed that the work has been delayed until next year. The SS Richard Montgomery sank near Sheerness in 1944 and there are loads of explosives still on board. Work was due to start very, very soon, in fact, this summer, but the government now says the project has been met with unexpected challenges. At Kent Online today, you can see video of a digger being driven along tightrope in a daredevil stunt. The chairman of Diggerland has completed the challenge at the amusement park in Strood and he's been telling us quite how scary it was. Just done the most amazing stunt ever. It's uh, definitely a world first. Um, four metres up in the air on a tightrope with a digger weighing nearly two tonnes. It's uh, quite nerve-wracking. Distance of about 30 metres. Not sure how long it took me. It felt like about an hour, but I think it was probably only about four or five minutes. We've done loads of stunts over the years, but I have to say this is probably one of the most uh, challenging, certainly the most risky. Um, if you know, if the digger had fallen off the wires, oh my God, there's uh, there's no soft mats underneath and no safety rope. I practiced it on a bit of metal first uh, at a high level, but just really, really gently. But that was a solid bit of metal which didn't move. So I was a bit worried that, you know, like trying to get into a hammock, you get halfway in the hammock and then suddenly it just turns upside down. So if that had happened, that would have been a real problem. But uh, I did all the engineering calculations beforehand and, and sure enough, they paid off. Hugh Edelianu has previously broken a Guinness World Record for the fastest journey in a JCB digger from John O'Groats to Land's End. Kent Online reports. A Kent baking business has gone viral on TikTok for their giant cookies. Katie Lester from Dover set up the company in April, offering the UK's biggest single-serve cookie and is now struggling to keep up with demand. It weighs a whopping 240 grams which is over half a pound. You can see pictures and 
video by heading to the website. Joe from Sigma has been chatting to our sister radio station KMFM about why it's taken them so long to release their second album. Hope is finally out more than six years after they released Life. They've partly blamed the pandemic and Joe getting pretty ill with long COVID. He's been chatting to Numi on the hit list. You know what? It feels like a real weight off my chest, which is nice. Um, I think, you know, like, like you said, man, it's a culmination of like six years worth of long, hard hours in the studio. Um, yeah, man, it's just a really nice moment to, to kind of pinpoint in our career um, and just, you know, just looking forward to, to, to pushing on with this journey. Was it like a natural progression for it taking six years? Do you think that that time was kind of needed uh, or was it kind of unexpected? You, you thought it was going to take less time and it's like, oh, it's uh, it's been six years. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Like time kind of flies, firstly. And secondly, I don't think we were in, in any rush to even like put a body of work together. Mm. Um, and we just... We just would put a tune out and then we'd be like, we should probably put another tune out. <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of back and forth with the label. Um, but, you know, like, obviously, and then obviously the pandemic happened. Yeah. And I actually, I actually got really quite unwell with COVID for a little Well, that, that was like what kind of pushed, pushed me over the edge for a while. But mm. I, yeah, I ended up with like really like, it was quite a long time. It was like a year. I was really quite unwell. Oh, no. Um, yeah. So um, you've probably heard of it. You know, like people say about long COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I had that, which really wasn't helpful because we we're trying to get things um, boxed off. Um, but yeah, so and obviously all of that stuff going on. And then before you know it, the pandemic's gone and it's another two years. And we're like, cool, well, finally, we can release some music. So it's great. Has the album transformed a lot over that time? Like how you thought it was going to sound at the beginning to how it sounds now? Or was it kind of a natural evolution? Obviously, when you when you create a, a body of work, ideally, you'd like to do it all in quite a short window and then just release it. Um, the reality of the dynamic of where we've been at with our record label is, is it's been very much more like single by single basis. Mm. And, sometimes there's a little bit of friction when it comes to try and get get releases out so for us to get a body of work together that they're going to be happy with releasing it was quite tricky up until a certain point so um i, I just have to say that it's no no shade on them because they're just doing their job at the end of the yeah, day yeah sometimes yeah sometimes that's just the dynamic of relationships but yeah man we're really happy that, that it's finally come together um and uh yeah man just hope you guys are enjoying it what have you felt for the reception so far yeah it's been great like really good feedback streaming numbers are crazy which sometimes it kind of baffles me man i like i'm i'm looking on the on the counter every day and i'm just like wow i swear the album in terms of like tracks has done i think we're on these 300 million streams or something it's crazy Damn. that's just on spotify yeah as well, so yeah yeah, it's great, great. If you missed the chat in full, you can listen now at kmfm.co.uk. And tonight, the Vamps are going to be on the show. They'll be talking about their 10-year anniversary and greatest hits tour. You can listen from seven. Kent Online Sports. First up, a football fan who ran onto the pitch at Chillingham's Priestfield Stadium has been banned from attending any matches in the UK for the next three years. Thomas Hill had managed to get through a gap in the advertising stands after the Jills scored against Oxford United back in January. The 33-year-old from Pearl Walk in Sittingbourne's also been ordered to pay more than £300 in fines and court costs. On the pitch, the club have signed Australian goalkeeper Ashley Maynard-Brewer. The 22-year-old is joining the Jills on a season-long loan from 
Charlton. It's their fifth signing of the summer transfer window as boss Neil Harris looks to build a new squad for the upcoming season in League Two. And finally, in tennis, Kent's Emma Rajikanu is back in action at Wimbledon today. The 19-year-old from Orpington won her opening match in straight sets on centre court on Monday. She's facing Caroline Garcia of France and spoke ahead of the match. Caroline's a, a great opponent. I played her earlier on in the year in Indian Wells and it was a tricky match. Um, she plays pretty fast tennis, so I'm ready for that. The feeling that I get here is is definitely special com- compared to all the other tournaments, but it's tough to say. I mean, I wouldn't take away winning the US Open for anything, no matter what anything or life throws at me that I've got that. Well, head to the sports pages of Kent Online for details on the result of that one. We'll also have reaction in bulletins on KMFM tomorrow morning. That's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, you need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.